Oh, hello. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Uh, welcome to On The Inside podcast. Uh, we are Sandbox. Uh, if you're wondering how the name Sandbox came along, it's uh, Sean, Emery, and Nico. So hello, everyone. Uh, good morning, good afternoon, good evening from wherever you are listening to us. Uh, so this is actually a podcast where we discuss various topics related to human emotions. All right, uh, this is our fourth episode. In the past two episodes, uh, two or three episodes, we've spoken about self-love, we've spoken about romantic love and feelings. Um, and uh, if you're on my personal page, please follow on the Inside Podcast page. Uh, if you're on YouTube, please subscribe to our channels. Uh, and thank you for everyone who's joining us. Uh, Caroline says, sharing if I may, of course, please share this. Please share this podcast. Uh, we want this uh, knowledge to go out to as many people uh, as possible. Okay, so... Um, the topic that we are discussing today, uh, it's actually shame, all right? And there are plenty of ways to approach this topic. For those of you who are not familiar with us, I'm just going to quickly introduce uh, the, the three of us. Uh, for me, I started my career as a pharmacist, later moved into uh, mental health training. Emery is a clinical psychologist and Nico is a meditation teacher, all right? So you can see we're going to approach this topic in pretty different ways. Okay, so uh, when we think about the topic of shame, all right, I think one, it's important for us to set the stage because we might see it in a different way. Um, so the first thing I would ask everyone to consider is perhaps um, when you think of shame, right? What's the first thing that comes to your mind, right? And, and I'll go first, all right? When I, when I think of shame, uh, a big part of it to me is uh, like wanting to bury my head in the sand. Because I'm, I'm afraid. Sometimes you know it's it's a self-esteem thing, and and there are certain things that I feel very, um, it's not even awkward, right? I just feel like I don't belong. I just feel like I'm going to be mocked at. I'm going to be um, made fun of, and I don't even know whether it's true or not, right? It's just a sense that that I'm going to be made fun of, and I, you know, it's just a very scary feeling, and uh, that's. When I think of shame, it, the first thing I think of is uh, where can I run to? Right. Um, Emery, uh, when, when you think of shame, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Um, similar. So this sense <laughs> that you want to be hiding, right? I actually do this thing. If I did something embarrassing or awkward during the day, I actually scream into my pillow when I get back home. It's a real thing. Like you literally right? scream. It, yeah, it's a muffled scream, so it, it really isn't that bad. But I actually do that because you, you get to hide yourself, you know, for that one second. And yeah, I mean, there is just a lot of, you know, maybe feelings of anxiety um, arising from that sense of shame. Yeah, so that's my little thing that I do. All right, Nico. <clears throat> yeah, so for me, <clears throat> when I think about shame, the... The first thing that really comes to mind, my it's my personal experience of shame is like I, I would like flush red, like and at any kind of at the slightest kind of like you know, fear of judgment of like you no know, awkwardness, I would just turn red very easily. So for me, it's really like a very body thing. Like I can, you know, I feel it on my face, it's like hot and red. And then that's really like makes me like want to hide even more. Like I'm more, there's almost like shame for experiencing shame. And so yeah, this like very complex mix of like you know emotions like sh you know being ashamed about the shame and so on but the core for me it's really about like self self-judgment mm -hmm. yeah so really uh, 
experiencing or having the fear of experiencing uh, a judgment from others, like be, being judged by others. And, um, but also at some level, like being judging myself as well. Hmm. Yeah, in a sense, like um, kind of preemptively, preemptively judging myself before others do. Yeah. So, so when you when you said that uh, you're embarrassed and your face is going to, to turn red and you're blushing, uh, I mean, when you said that was your your sense when you get shame, but how do you differentiate that from that embarrassment or just being shy? <clears throat> I mean, to me, I don't really draw a difference here. Yeah, yeah. So I I, I get that there's different words, but to to me, they they more they more has to do with what's the context, what kind of situation situation you're in. Um, that's really what's what's the experience, um, and and at the core for me it's still it's still shame, even if it's yeah in, in embarrassment and so on. I think it's still the idea of like you know being either judging myself or having done something that might be improper or um, uh, you know or sh- I shouldn't have done or um, or thinking that other would judge me for doing that. That's 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 uh, and when there's that element of judgment for me, it's, it's I can label it shame. So when, when we think, uh, one of the things that, that came up uh, in our, sh- our sharing of, of what our thoughts on shame were, uh, is, this, is this idea of uh, like preempting like what people might, how people might react to a certain attribute or a certain something about us that makes us feel uh, awkward or makes us feel embarrassed about. Um, do, you, do you think that this concept of shame is, like most people who feel this shame, they are worrying about something that might not even happen. Do you mean like worst case scenarios? Yeah. I mean, sometimes people worry about a lot of things, right? And and they preempt a lot of things, mm. but there's no real reason. Uh, there's no real justification on whether those things are going to happen. Could be worst case scenarios, might not be so extreme. Well, I think it's a little bit different. I mean, when we kind of, you know, amplify worst case scenarios in our heads, right? It might not necessarily just be shame, right? I think with shame, what we're amplifying, it's not the scenario, but really the um, other people's response perhaps, or how other people might see us. Um, yeah, I think that will probably exacerbate the feelings of shame that we experience. Is it related to self-esteem? Shame? Yeah. I don't know if, you know, this, there's a correlation there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because the thing is that even when you're, you're confident generally, you know, you're not immune to shame. Yeah. Even, even someone confident could have, you know, feelings of shame. I mean, we, I think we all do to a certain extent. Okay. And, and let, let me just, just, uh, uh, go on, on, on that topic for a while, because, um, I like to think that I'm generally a confident person, yet there are still some things that I feel inadequate about. Could it be a case of, uh, some areas I feel confident in, but when it comes to a particular trigger point, yeah, then that makes me feel ashamed of something. Like, for example, one of the things that, um, since young people have been saying about me is I'm not, I'm not the tallest person around. All right. I am not sure whether you would classify that as shame or whether it's just a self-esteem thing. Because other than that, my confidence, you know, can come from some other places as well. Yeah, I think it's a. I mean, it's been my experience, and it's probably a lot of people experience that. Yeah, it's a area thing. So it's it's really based on your level of like confidence and sense of you know 
knowing what, what's the proper thing to do in a given situation. So I think even if you have a general healthy self-esteem, there will always be situations when you're un unsure about what might be the proper thing to do. Um, um, and then you experience shame. And I would even add that that's even, could even be useful. Like there's some, actually several like spiritual tradition when they would say, um, there's essentially a person who doesn't experience any shame who's unable to experience any shame. Um, there is nothing they won't do, meaning that any kind of problematic behavior that they will, they will have no issue doing it, you know, including violence, including. So there's a sense that shame is the kind of thing that can stop us sometimes from certain behavior. It can be, can be a signal that says, okay, that's not okay to do in that context. That's not. So, it's functional. Yeah, it's in some aspect it is. So I feel it makes sense to me that then it would be, it's more likely to be there in situations where you're not quite sure what you're supposed to do. You know, you're kind of like very vigilant about what what's right, what's not. And then that shows up at, as, as shame, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, going back to your question, Sean, I think mm -hmm. it's it's not the feeling that, that defines self-esteem, but rather how we respond to the feeling, right? Do we allow shame to overtake us and define us, right? Do we allow the inner critic to, you know, dictate uh, our own narratives about ourselves? Or do we respond to shame in a more accepting way to kind of go, okay, you know, here's shame and everyone feels that. And, you know, we actually have a choice to, you know, just acknowledge it and let that go. Um, or really, you know, engage with that and then live our lives in shame, essentially. Does that make sense? Well, it, it does. Uh, well, the, the challenging thing I think for most people is uh, if, if you've gone for some kind of therapy before or you've spoken to someone uh, who is more, you know, positive, you know, whatever that means, um, they would say you actually have a choice on how you react, correct, to, to certain situations. And when it comes to shame, it's for, in some sense, it's easy for some people to say, oh, you know, you can choose. Why don't you react in a more positive way and tackle it head on rather than feel sorry for yourself? But I mean, in your experience uh, to, to both of you, I mean, what do you think are some reasons why people find it difficult to take the positive route to managing this, this topic of shame? Because there is no positive. Because I think this this whole idea that, you know, we shouldn't be feeling ashamed, right? It's actually really stressful, right? It's quite different from saying, okay, there is shame and it's a normal feeling that we all have, right? And as opposed to saying, okay, we shouldn't be feeling shame at all. And if we do feel shame, then there's something wrong with us. Hmm. Nico, any thoughts? Mm, <clears throat> a few, but they kind of like, they're confused right now. But I start not the... <laughs> No, so there's a sense. So going back to that, maybe function of shame, in a sense, um, like shame is just a protection from us being socially ostracized, right? So it's just a signal that says, okay, if you do a certain thing, you might not be able to approach that person again, or uh, you know, you might not get that job, or you know, it's a sense that you won't be included anymore. And then, and then for many people, I mean, try to, you know, if you think about historically when we're living in like caves and so on, just not being part of the group means you're going to die within a week, you know, no shelter, no access to, to support. So, which means that shame has really crucial 
role. I mean, essentially, in, and in the past, keeping us alive, monitoring like how well we do in the group and so on, and preventing us to do things that um, are problematic and might lead us to being excluded. So given that pretty heavy, it's pretty heavy role. I mean, it's pretty serious role. And I feel like that's why it's difficult for most of us to be just like, oh, no, shame, you can just discard and pretend that, just take it as a signal and and act positively. Because deep down, no, it's a pretty serious thing, you you, you know, and, and and we really worry to, for taking it as really something really serious to consider, yeah. Um, and I think that's where the difficulty lies. It's like we intuitively, we know that there's something really serious when we feel shame and that's, that's uh, the consequences can be potentially dire if we don't, you know, heed what we think might be the advice there, meaning you know, not, not presenting ourselves to others if we don't feel like we, are, we can perform at work, for instance, or, you know, hiding, um, not showing um, a certain kind of behavior, not, you know, yeah. And, and what do you think is the first step then to move past that? Um, my sense is that maybe acknowledge, I don't, I'm not sure, I mean, I don't have really recipes, but my sense is that just acknowledging that, like acknowledging that, okay, that's a serious thing and it has its function, I think it's 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 there because there's a first step there. It's like you're not already you're not judging your, if you, when you do that you're less likely to judge yourself for experiencing the shame. You're like, that's normal. It's a hardware thing. Everyone experiences it. Um, it can be useful in some situations. It can be you know useful signal. And I think that's that first step of already removing like one layer of like self judgment, you know, and and then and then uh, and then and then from there I mean you might have suggestion about how you kind of work. Further from that, but to me, that's the first thing that comes up there. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. I think, you know, like in, in my work, I often hear so many people talk about how they feel awkward about being awkward, right? It's it's almost like, okay, they have this experience of being awkward, but it doesn't just stop there, right? They then beat themselves up for being so awkward. And in their minds, you know, it was horrendous because they think that everyone, you know, was probably judging them or laughing at them. Right. And kind of like what we talked about earlier, how it really, you know, becomes this massive um, saga in their heads. Right. That made it really hard for them to move on from from the whole um, experience of shame. Right. So, I mean, we don't usually think of awkward as, you know, synonymous with shame, but essentially it is kind of the same thing, except at a lower intensity. So, we, you know, I guess if we see shame as a continuum, there are, there are different shades of shame and awkwardness could be at the lighter end, right? Um, but it's a great example because we all can um, relate to feeling awkward at some point in our lives. And right? where's that, where that transition point between awkwardness and um, shame, which is more serious? Well, I think it really depends on the context. And if you can imagine if day after day, you know, when we start judging ourselves again and again for being awkward, Right. At some point, that sort of morphs into shame because then that becomes a little bit more deep-seated. Yeah. What, what's an example uh, of this idea of someone who is uh, being so awkward that it, you know, it affects, uh, I don't know, what, what was that? It transits into shame? Or how, does that, how does that whole concept work? Yeah, I don't know about transiting into, into shame because, you know, like we said, being awkward or feeling awkward, that's kind of, you know, a kind of a shame, right? It's kind of an experience of feeling ashamed, except, you know, maybe we don't experience um, or we don't kind of identify that as shame 
um, at a get-go, right? But if you think about the behavioral tendencies, you know, wanting to hide or beating yourself up or just wanting to be invisible, um, you know, over time, if that keeps happening, if we keep judging ourselves, right, the story we will keep telling ourselves would be, you know, um, I'm inadequate, I'm not good enough, right? I don't want to be here because, you know, I just feel like um, maybe everyone's going to be, you know, judging me like I judge myself, right? And if you keep telling yourself, um, you know, thoughts or narratives like that, it will then over time reinforce the belief that, yeah, you know, maybe you should be ashamed of yourself because there is something wrong with you. And that's mm -hmm. how it probably develops over time. That makes sense to me in the sense, so my sense is that when you're awkward, I don't think you think as, it's always related to a situation that Amiri had said. So it says, as Mary said, so it's really like short-lived thing. So you're awkward with someone or you're mm -hmm. awkward in certain situations or just sometimes randomly because something happens, I don't know, like, um, mm -hmm. um, but then um, when you experience awkwardness, you never get to say to yourself, the next time I'm going to be talking to someone is going to, I'm going to be equally awkward. The next, you, you don't get to think, oh, it's always be about awkwardness every time I talk to people. No, you're clear that there's, there's a given situation as you know, there was, there might have been a trigger, maybe someone mm. you don't want to have to talk to and you bump into whatever that might look like, you know, that it's unlikely to be about you. It's just, maybe it's about you, but it's also broadly what's happening in a situation, right? But I think when you move into shame, as Mary said, I feel like it's the, when you tell yourself, well, it's not just about situation, it's about me. And mm. every time I will show up, I will feel that way, regardless of what's going on, you know, even if maybe people are open, uh, you know, um, um, warm-hearted, I don't know, um, loving, I will still have that experience of like, I shouldn't be here, I'm, I'm not, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. So that's it's, it's, And sometimes yeah. I, I think it feels like it's, it's, you know what's the step to take to, you know, perhaps uh, adapt to the situation. It just, sometimes it feels like it's just a, a mountain that's too high to climb, right? And um, I don't know, let, let me share an experience and, and you can tell me what whether what you think of, of that, right? So one of the things that I've always felt very difficult for me is when I go to school or, you know, a group of friends that I'm in, I, I'm hanging out with, all of them speak Mandarin as their main language. Right. And uh, Mandarin is not my strength, definitely. I'm very, very much more comfortable with English because at, at home, um, I only speak English to my parents, my family, etc. Actually, even at work, uh, if I didn't have to work in the pharmacy, I might not be speaking like even basic Mandarin. <laughs> okay. It's because I had to communicate with my patients. But it's this sense that, okay, when I go to a group of people who seem to be native Mandarin speakers, that's 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 their default language. If I try to speak in English with them, it's just really awkward. All right. Um, and then I tell myself sometimes, okay, you know, let's, let's do something about it. Right. I'm going to improve my, uh, my standard of Mandarin, but it just feels like this is too high a mountain to climb because I don't get any practice, etc. And I always fear hanging out with that group of people because the feelings that I get, I feel super left out. I feel like there's no way I can, I can join in to, to that group. And like for me, it's happened in primary school. It's happened in secondary school. It's happened in junior college. Uh, in university, sometimes 
uh, the only thing is my friends came to tell me, oh, you know, you realize something? Uh, when Sean is around, we speak English. Every time Sean is not around, we will all speak Mandarin. Uh, that's my mm. that's my only saving grace. <laughs> yeah, so I think like sometimes this 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 idea of shame it could be mixed with fear and you know some other emotions as well. Um, but it feels like it's a never ending battle that you you're just never going to be able to 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 overcome. Yeah, not for a lack of trying, right? It's just. Mm. Something so what do mind. you do with that? So what do you do with that, Sean? When you have this feeling of shame? What do I do with that? Uh, I think increasingly as, as I grew older, um, I tried my, maybe also, okay, maybe partially also because of my work, I tried to improve the standard of my, uh, my Mandarin to a point where it's understandable. And I don't beat myself up anymore if I'm not able to, to converse fluently. It's a case of, oh, if they can understand me, it's, it's good enough, right? And then the next step is just how good I want to be. Yeah. Um, and then I, I just kind of recognize that it is, it's not my main language and that's okay because it's like, what can I do about my family environment, right? We're not going to suddenly, oh, let's speak Mandarin every day from now. I think my parents would struggle as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. so perhaps you know one of the things that we were speaking earlier is is just acknowledging the the current situation. Um, but I would also say that the one thing that gives me a bit of comfort is that I've tried. I've tried something. Of course, you can always say how hard you want to try, right? Of course, I can mm-hmm. try much harder. But I've tried enough. I feel, and that gives me a sense of of comfort. It's not one of those things that like oh you know. Um, uh, I'm still not at the perfect level. I don't beat myself up over that. Yeah. Well, in fact, uh, I, I can share with you something. There's this friend that I used to hang out with. So normally when I speak to a, a person uh, and uh, he or she is Mandarin speaking, right? And I'm English, I'm English speaking. Normally it's a case of who influences who more and that would be the default language of the of their relationship, right? Not romantic, but the friendship, right? Um, for... 28, 29 years, I've always won. It was always English. Like everyone converted to English when they speak. Congrats. Except for one person. <laughs> like no matter what I, 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 no matter how much English I respond, she would respond in Chinese and she would speak to me in Mandarin. After a while, I was like, okay, this is not working. So I tried to converse in Mandarin. And I was like, this is definitely not working. <laughs> and then it came to a point where she speaks to me in Mandarin. I reply in English and we've both reached this very comfortable stage. And I don't feel like awkward anymore every mm. time I catch up. We are, we are pretty good friends now. Mm. So you've yeah. embraced awkwardness and you have learned to accept the sensation or experience as opposed to pushing that away. I suppose so. Um, but I think also the, um, it, it comes from this idea of um, where, where does the confidence come from, right? I, I believe that if I was generally lacking in confidence, this might be uh, something that is going to knock me back uh, a little bit more than it, than it mm. does. Um, but because my confidence comes from other things, right? Like, um, I believe I do a generally decent job at my work. Um, I have 
other achievements that make me feel good about myself. I think I generally do things that I like, I'm happy. So that gives me some kind of, of confidence. And uh, this becomes a smaller part of um, of the self-esteem, I suppose, overall. Mm. Yeah. That's, I think yeah. that's an important point. And that, because I, my sense also is that when you once you have that sense, basic sense of self-esteem, then you approach situation where you might experience shame or even where you're being shamed differently. Because for me, that sense of like, um, when that happens, for instance, you're in a group and because you don't speak the right language, you feel somewhat excluded. There's really, it's like, how much work do I have to do on myself so I, so I can belong or I can feel I can belong? And I feel when you don't have a good basic self-esteem, you approach it as a, as a kind of like, well, there's infinite amount of work I have to do. Like I should always be working to belong to any kind of group, meaning I should never, ever experience shame. That's what it means to me. It, it means like, you know, when you, when you decide I will never, ever experience shame, it means that there's no group uh, where I should not be belonging to. And I feel like... Um, once you have basic self-esteem, you can be, I'm in that group, I'm feeling awkward, uncomfortable, and what do I do about it? I do have the option of not belonging to the group, maybe, leaving the group. I mean, we're not in those caves when there was only one group and you're out of it and you're dying. Now we're you know, in many different circles and we have that options to be there or not be there and see what's the social cost of that. Like how much are they asking me to change, for instance, like when you think about friends or you're meeting new friends or whatever. So I can be um, part of that. Um, and I think that's uh, that's a more um, yeah. There's more freedom there in the way we we deal with group, and that's something that that's just a recent kind of superpower we have. We don't have that option in the past, but we do now. And I think in training or learning to deal with shame, we learn to kind of get that power on and kind of be like realize, oh, we have a choice, right? Yeah. So yeah. So realizing that you have a choice, uh, a turning point in the game. Yeah, you you can not you can decide not to belong if there's a you know, like you can be in a group and and you don't speak the right language. Actually, that was my experience. So I was I was in a in a music group and then there was a very good very good group dynamic and then there was quite a lot of member who left and new a new member come in and it was a kind of a different kind of kind of different mindset or culture you would say in the corporate world. And then I, I was still I still loved playing the music in the group. I had still a good um, relationship with a couple of band leaders that were there, but with the new members that, uh, that just wouldn't gel. Like my jokes were not funny. You know, there was no common topic of conversation. There was just no way I could I could I felt I could fit in, and it was just these awkward silences. Uh, and as the group was having those very lively conversations, I was just kind of on the side and just there to play music. Yeah. Um, and so at some point I realized that I don't actually have to, why do I put so much pressure on myself to belong? Like, I don't actually have to belong to the group. I can be there, play music. You know, I have a good basic relationship with anyone, everyone. I can talk to them about music related stuff. We don't have to be uh, friendly at all. We can just be polite with each other and that's enough. Yeah. And realizing that, 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 that freed up something and I felt much less awkward, um, much less shame actually, and actually a much more mental space to actually focus on the music and what I was uh, there to do. Yeah. 
Yeah, and and you know, moving on to this idea of you know, we briefly discussed it earlier, but this idea of coping, um, is. I, I remember in the past uh, when I was in one of my schools, right? So I was I was the chairperson of the class, and the nature of the class is it was very clicky, right? So there is one click, and then there is a second click, and then there's always the middle group of people that seem to be awkward, that seem to be a bit different, um, and they tend to get ostracized, right? And when you go to both sides, you're like, that group, the guy is really just damn weird. Uh. <laughs> and so, I mean, what what I tried to do as as the chairperson of the class is to, to hang out with that group, right? I mean, I, I try to hang out with everyone, um, but really just to try to be there and... and um, I don't know, just to, I, all I wanted to do was to try to help them feel like they are not alone, right? It, although it's, it might be hard for the other groups to embrace them, but I just tried to, to help them feel welcome, at least by one person. You know, I mean, in, and, and I'll throw this question to, to Emery, right? I mean, what is the role of the, a person's, social circle or, you know, in, in terms of helping a person cope with this feeling of uh, shame? I think, you know, it really goes back to this idea of um, self-compassion, right? Because I think, you know, one of the elements of self-compassion is this idea that we are not alone. And when you have a tribe, when you have close friends, you can count on who will accept you, you know, even when you're dorky, uh, when you have a bad day, right? Um, it's comforting to know. I mean, you're not alone in this, right? And and that we know that everyone goes through something, right? When you have close friends, they will also confide in you experiences that, you know, they feel awkward about. And because of that, you know, it normalizes this idea that, okay, you know what? We all mess up sometimes. It really doesn't have to define us. Yeah, so I think that, you know, it is very protective, right, to have, you know, a close group of people you could, you know, identify with or you feel comfortable with, right? And um, going back to what you said earlier about how you learn to focus on other things in your life, right? If you imagine our life as a you know, bit, bit of a pie chart, right? And if maybe only a small little slice is dedicated to that bit that you feel really ashamed about, then really shame doesn't have much say over how you, you know, identify um, uh, yourself or, you know, how you define your life, right? And in that way, we are giving shame less control over us and realizing that, you know, it's just one of those emotions we experience. Uh, we don't have to allow that to really dictate how we see ourselves. Mm. Now, I think that when people see themselves I probably initially it starts uh, with a sense of like I'm a bit different compared to to some the norm, correct? Mm -hmm. And I think that the idea of difference, like what exactly is the difference, right? If if they perceive if society maybe it's not them, maybe it's them, maybe it's society, but if it is perceived as a a good difference, then it might be a confidence builder, even though like they might feel awkward initially. So let let me give it a bit more context. All right, so. If most of your friends are on full-time jobs, all right, that's you go through, you work for a company, and then there's this odd person that decides to become an entrepreneur. 
right. Are you talking about all of us? (laughs) (laughs) I just realized. Oh, that wasn't what I was. (laughs) (laughs) No, but, but. Shit, I just realized I was referring to the, it could have easily been the three of us. Okay, but the the the, the scenario I was thinking of is this, right? Uh, that person could easily feel very left out because no one understands entrepreneurship in school at 17 years old, 18 years old. Like I know somebody in my class who decided to go through the entrepreneurship route. And we were like, what, what the hell are you doing? Like there's no money. Like, don't you think of your starting pay? And you ask him, what's your starting pay? They say, actually, I have no money. You just can't grasp the concept of, of a startup, All right? And the person who is, who is going through that has to be able to see it as something bigger or something important. And that's where that difference becomes a sense of confidence rather than, you know, uh, collapsing into shame. Same thing, but just perceived differently, depending on how society sees it and depending on how they see it themselves. Yeah, it's just the idea of being different. Okay, um, so f- I think at this time, it's important to thank the, right now it's how many people? Three people who are joining us still. Hello, <laughs> thank you for sticking with us. Um, we also have a comment from Kenneth and I'm going to show that comment on screen right now. Uh, First of all, Kenneth, thank you for joining us. And let's read out your comment, right? Kenneth says, yes, I feel we need to come to terms with the extent of our own abilities uh, after we have tried, of course, right? Uh, otherwise, we cannot move on. And I think this is in relation to a comment I made previously where I, said, I felt like I at least tried something like to improve my Mandarin. Yeah. Um, do you think it's, it's like this is important that a person makes an attempt at least? Uh, to cope with the shame. Uh, what do you mean by by an attempt to cope with the shame? Like, mm, like I feel better because I've tried. Right, but I don't know whether it's just like something that I feel like me personally, or something like is applicable to everybody. Like, if everybody tried, at least they would feel better in the sense that knowing that they've made and made some effort. Uh, to making things yeah. inverted comma better. Actually, I think that's the best you can do because essentially what you did was you didn't allow shame to stop you from doing what you needed to do, right? It's kind of like saying, yeah, you recognize that shame and you did it anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's that's actually really amazing because shame, as we started you know, this conversation today, we said how... We said how shame is a feeling that makes you want to hide, uh, that makes you want to be invisible. Mm-hmm. And if we could, you know, despite feeling that sense of shame, you know, do that thing that scares us, um, that's amazing. That's huge because we're learning that actually, you know, we're way bigger and, you know, braver than shame um, would otherwise suggest. Nico, thoughts? Yeah, so I, I, um, um, I would just offer like a different perspective. I think both are completely valid. To me, there's a sense, so because I, I feel like, um, so there's always a sense of a group and what, what, what the values and the standards of the groups are, like what the group's expectations are for like behavior, like what are you supposed to do to belong 
um, um, why should you ref why should you refrain from doing uh, you know to be able to belong <clears throat> and I think um, in that context just kind of shame is a signal about what's okay what's not okay to do in a group often uh, the kind of signal essentially when you're being shamed or you know when you sometimes it's kind of subtle but you get those signals I mean we're pretty good at, at picking at picking them up and and then and they can be useful also in the sense when you're you're in a group and and you agree with the values there are people like you really inspire you and um and um, um essentially you're like yeah i want to i want to be there i want to belong um and and i want to be like them essentially <laughs> like you know i want to you know have some of their qualities and some then 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 can be interesting to spot like where you where you where, how you experience shame and be like so that shame then is that useful is that something that maybe I need to change is would these people who are really respect who are regarded as maybe uh, uh, mentors or would they do that would they allow themselves to do that you know um, is it is it up to their standards and and then should I do it myself I think that there can be a kind of strategic approach to how you experience shame. In those moments, I don't know if that makes sense, but just taking it as a signal and be like, okay, how how can I use it to uh, change my behavior as well, um, in a way that that brings me in the direction where I want to go in terms of values and everything. Yeah. Assuming you're in a group um, that's healthy, meaning again, you know, they carry the values you want to carry, you want to have, you know, they they inspire you and so on. Yeah. Mm. And and that I mean, it sounds like the solution to overcoming this shame is just just do it, just go out. I mean, is it is it as simple as that? I don't know, Emery. Is it to me? Yeah, I think that you know, yes. When it comes to a lot of vulnerable emotions, right? Shame, fear, you know, maybe anxiety, right? I think a lot of times. It really is about acknowledging it and doing it anyway, kind of doing the stuff that actually scares you. So for instance, you know, um, obviously like uh, I get very embarrassed with being live on <laughs> something like that, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, as you guys would know already, yeah, this is really something that I struggle with. Um. You know, yeah, because um, I'm generally shy. Yeah, I mean, no one believes it when I say it, but I am, right? And it makes me feel slightly embarrassed to be on air, right? But I'm doing it anyway, <laughs> right? So something like that. I mean, with practice, it gets a bit easier, right? And as long as I recognize that, yeah, you know, there's a bit of awkwardness or embarrassment, and I don't allow that to kind of define who I am, and I still, you know, am able to find, uh, you know, uh, pieces of the experience to, to really enjoy, right? Like, for instance, this conversation um, obviously is something I enjoy. And if I could just focus on that and just allow that little bit of embarrassment to sit, you know, it really doesn't change very much uh, of the, you know, how pleasant this experience is for me. Nico, the uh, solution to shame, just do it. Um, yes, I would say yes, but in the sense, um, experiment. 
and 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 double check meaning um uh if you're in a group and you you can pu- you can push and you know uh, try to belong make effort you know change yourself uh that can be fine if you want really want to be there but you know check on what's going on with maybe friends other groups you belong to because we always have you know other relationship we can rely on to validate ourselves check on beha- check on our behavior um and and it's not just the one place where we want to be you know for instance if it's about work and changing the way you behave at the work because things are not working and everything you know you can you can ask outside former colleagues you can ask friends you know it's, it's there's always other options and i think it's helpful for me to get out of the kind of cave mentality of like there's a single group and the one i'm focused on right now in the single option i have that's not true there are other groups <laughs> uh, where you already belong and there's nothing you have to do to belong there you don't have to change the way you are you don't have to change what you say and you are already belonging there's no cost to doing that so that's important to remind yourself of that and beyond group uh, there are now possibility for one-to-one relationships so you know we're not just tied to groups we can uh, have meaningful relationship with single individuals you know outside of groups um and these are really useful as well to check on what's going on when we have those experiences of shame and maybe help us process them um do they make sense should i pull through it or is there an issue of like a group dynamics that shaming and that actually is toxic um and sh- i should move away from i think these are all kind of options we have yeah so so it's actually a choice that the person has to make do i want to how much effort do i want to put in to try to blend in or whether I turn around, walk away and find the group somewhere out there where I automatically belong to. I mean, these are, I think, I believe these are um, some of the options. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I mean, if I you just... look at how, sorry, I kind of just had, so if you look at how that works, for instance, for certain minorities, it's exactly how that function. You know, you might be a racial minority, for instance. You might not be belong. You might not belong or be accepted in a, you know, um, ethnic majority. And then you withdraw from that, and you find other ways. You find other social support network, and so on. You find other ways to um, maintain a sense of self-esteem and progress through life. So these are, yeah, these are these sometimes are options. Kind of last resort, to be fair. And I totally agree with Amiri that the first thing to try should be pushing through at least for some time and see what what's that, how it turns out. But Gently other than that, Gently. yeah, but there's still <laughs> an element of effort, though. I think it's important to acknowledge that <laughs> it's not easy. That's what I mean. Yeah, and yeah. I think it's important to to, yeah. to recognize this concept of pushing through gently, right? Because. Uh, the idea of just do it can be very scary for a lot of people when yes. they when they think of it as this huge mountain of effort, this huge task that I have to overcome. It feels impossible. Um, and well, it's this concept it reminds me of the um, of a book one of my friends wrote. Uh, he's a speaker. Author. The title is "Small Steps to Big Changes." Right? Maybe that. Hey, I know that. Not, I know that person. Kenneth Kenneth Kwan. <laughs> yes. 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 Yes, Kenneth is now the uh, president of the Asia Professional Speaker Singapore. It's an it's a association that I'm part of. Yeah. Uh, so they are, the whole idea of that is uh, solution-based uh, uh, problem solving. Right? But I think in the, con- in the context of, of our conversation in, in shame, it's uh, perhaps 
taking little baby steps. All right. And uh, celebrating the little wins along the way rather than thinking of it as you know one big task. I have to be an expert in Mandarin by tomorrow kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and maybe that will make the, the task feel a little bit more manageable. And before you know it, hey, you've actually achieved something uh, pretty big. Yeah, that's that might be an easier way you think to uh, to just do it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, breaking it into small little goals that are achievable because that would then help you build the confidence to, you know, take a bigger step in the future, right? We need to create little wins for ourselves. Um, yeah, so that we feel good about doing this again and again. Yeah, I was just I was just reflecting earlier on what you said, Nico. I mean. I like how you gave um, this more evolutionary kind of context to shame, like this whole um, idea of, you know, shame being in a context of a group. And I was just wondering, is it possible for shame to take place on a very individualistic um, kind of context? So, you know, I just wonder if on our own, if we're sort of, you know, without people, is it still possible to feel shame? Does it have to be, you know, in terms of interpersonal dynamics that, that you know, trigger a feeling of shame? Or I just wonder if it's also intra-psychic. Okay. <clears throat> I have an opinion, but it's not. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's exclusively social. Like, I think, yeah, it's a, it's a belief, really. Um, but, 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 yeah, that's why I believe. Because even because you would tend to think, okay, sure, that can. Um, there's this inner critic, the inner voice, you know, and um, and so that would suggest that no, it's really just also about you. It's not just outside. It's not just the group. You know, it's not just others. You carry it in you. Um, but but I don't believe that inner voice has any other source than um, outside voices, really, <laughs> fundamentally. Yeah. Um, and for instance, um, I have that belief that the way, for instance, to be con more concrete, I, would, I have that belief that, you know, the way parents <clears throat> will talk to a child, um, that's going to be the kind of worlds and, and kind of things that the f future adult or the child inner critic would say. Um, but I don't know. I mean, just thinking in terms of like a perfectionist, right? Suppose, you know, they got a really, um, in their opinion, not so great um, grade on their recent exam, right? And even if like everyone else around them gave them, you know, great um, encouragement or reinforcement or praise, right? They still sort of walk away thinking, okay, it's not good enough. Something's wrong mm. with me. I'm mm. inadequate. Right. Mm. That's not really anything to do with um, mm. interpersonal interactions, but more mm. to do with what they tell themselves. D doesn't it all stem from a comparison? Yeah, I agree. To a certain benchmark, uh, be it, you know, the pressure to match it or to, I don't think it's to, to be worse than it, right? It's either to match it or to be better. Um, mm. Without those benchmarks, there is no comparison. And without that mm. comparison, mm. then you don't have this sense that I am slightly different from the other person. Mm. 
different in whatever way, right? It could be, you know, uh, not fitting in or it could be the pressure. So I, it feels to me like uh, if there was this one person there alone and there's nothing else to compare with, then I don't know. It's, I don't think shame will be there. But I agree with Amiri in the sense, though. So I, I, I agree in the sense, yeah, you could imagine someone being just <laughs> being there in the forest on its own and, um, and, and still be a perfectionist, you know, still caring about how they perform at certain tasks, right? But then to me, that wouldn't show up as shame, as shame. Like there would still be that drive to really be good and be better. But if there's a failure, that would be really heartbreaking. There might be sadness there. But what makes that shame is really outside judgment to me. The fact that someone else may look at this and make their own evaluations and their own judgment and judge a person based on their performance. You get what I mean? So in a sense, in a sense, in the, in the, my sense is like in a, if you think of a trajectory about someone who maybe being has been freed from shame through some kind of like personal transformation, I don't know, it's kind of like um, almost impossible to achieve, but. Any kind of situations that would trigger now trigger shame would maybe trigger sadness or a sense of like, you know, being heartbroken, not having that belonging, not being that connection, um, not having performed as well as we would like to. Um, and that's and, and with that element of, as Mary said, self-compassion in that heart, broken heart, something that's really tender, that's really caring, um, and that that's really about oneself caring for oneself and. Um, and also seeing that in others, seeing that, okay, behind those experiences of shame, maybe there's like a broken heart, there's something that's um, <clears throat> um, difficult to experience. I don't know. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I'd be curious to know, I mean, like if, you know, this experience of shame could be different for someone, you know, living a solitary life in a forest, right? Because certainly I think, you know, in a lot of our experiences of shame, um, a lot of them go back to, you know, some sort of an inter interaction with someone else or in a social setting, right? The beliefs um, stemmed maybe from childhood experiences or, you know, repeated interactions with um, close ones. And, you know, I really wonder how shame could look different for, for someone else in a more um, isolated setting. Yeah, I was, I was thinking about the different, um, I don't know, I suppose areas where a person could feel shame or, or inferior. I mean, things like wealth, things like appearance, physical, you know, body images, uh, your age, maybe uh, being stereotyped. Um, all these relate to some sort of uh, comparison with, with some other norm. But how about mental illness? Because mental illness is something that is very much individual uh, to the person. Do you think if a person is suffering from some kind of mental illness, he or she could experience shame even without comparison? I think that's a very broad question. Yeah. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't put uh, mental illness um, or mental disorders as a, you know, risk factor Right. Um, yeah. Because I think there's, you know, a lot of resilience in individuals who experience mental disorders too. So, yeah, I'll be very yeah. sensitive to that. 
But what mm. about the sense that there's still, I mean, that's a fact that there's stigma though around mental illness. There is social judgment around mental illness. Mm. So in that sense, um, you know, that's the reason why people, um, I don't know what the stats are now, but at some point why, why women were more likely to seek help than men, for instance, or, you know, around mental illness at least. So I feel there's some relevance to that to that question around that. Like, you know, how do you, someone completely disconnected from social, I, I don't know if that, that was your question, Sean, but my sense was like, yeah, someone who wouldn't get, be exposed to that kind of like judgment around mental illness, would they still get experience of shame whenever they feel that? Um, mm. Maybe impaired experience, daily experience, impaired daily functioning and so on. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think I've an, I've an answer. It's just, it's just a thought that, that came by. Mm. Um, yeah. And I think it's important because, um, I mean, I do have patients who suffer from mental illness and, you know, frequently you hear them say that they are very ashamed of being around other people. I know that this is in context with, you know, the surroundings it could mm. be social anxiety, et cetera. Um, but the stigma is, is real. I think we, we, all of us acknowledge that it's real. Um, and, and then the question then, then comes, right? Like, uh, they would ask me, so what can I do to, to be better and to overcome this? Yeah. N never an easy question to answer, I think, but, uh, you know, I've always asked myself, someone who is suffering from a mental illness, uh, how could we help them just a little bit better to cope? Right. Because I think it's tougher for them. Yeah. Mm. <clears throat> okay. Um, oh, we have a comment. Cynthia says, awesome, Sean. Hello, Cynthia. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Uh, even though it's pretty late in Indonesia. Right. Thanks. Thanks for joining us. Okay. Um, so we are approaching the hour mark and I think it, it's time that we, we think of uh, our final comments are on, you know, what comes to our mind when we think of this idea of, of shame. Um, I would say that uh, the first thing that comes to mind and, and my biggest takeaway, I would say, from this entire conversation, it's, um, it's really important to acknowledge, uh, you know, the feelings that you get. And I think the first step, if, if you acknowledge it, it gives you a sense of, like, you realize that it's actually okay to feel shame. And then the next step would be um, just do it, right? But just do it. Start in a small way. Make a little attempt. Uh, and it might not feel easy, uh, but it's a uh, it's a very brave thing to do, and it's it will carry you far. Yeah, the attempt to make things better. Um, Nico, your thoughts? Um, yeah, I think there's just two things. Uh, two things I mentioned. So the first thing that's really uh, yeah, there's options. <laughs> you know, there's not a single group or a single relationships. There are many different relationships. And, and you don't have to gauge your self-esteem or where you, or how you're doing based on one single group and one single relationship, meaning based on one single set of standards. Yeah. You, can, you can look elsewhere also for support in you know, being with you, processing shame and seeing what's, what makes sense, what doesn't make sense, what's, you know, what's something that you could be working on and improve on and what's something that really coming from a toxic group environment or work environment. So I think that's, that's useful to think. You can kind of broaden your view and, and look at other kind of people. That's the first thing. And then I think the second thing is that um, 
yeah, I agree with you, Sean. Just kind of finding a way to. Um, that's hard because it's very. <laughs> these are all injunctions, and it's all very hard things to do. But I think, yeah, my sense is that behind that sense of shame, there is broken heart that's there, <laughs> and 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 um, and seeking help. You know, learning ways to um, accept the shame for what it is, so you can get in touch for that broken heart below there. Uh, that's really helpful because then you can see it in other people, and sometimes also in people that shame you. Because um, you can be pretty sure they shame themselves to, as much as they shame you, and they deserve compassion as much as you do. Yeah, so there, there's really interesting work to be done there, if if uh, if challenging. But yeah, um, yeah. Emery. Yeah, um, this is a very heavy topic for me, because I mean I see this a lot in my clinical work. You know, almost everyone who walks in through the door. Um, carries with them, you know, some form of shame. And it's a very painful experience to sit with, right? Um, it's one of those things that they make you want to be invisible. I mean, I hear that so much. And, you know, and it's, it's really painful because, you know, um, you, you know, when people talk about shame, that they really struggle, you know, they start fidgeting, um, they get really emotional, because, you know, it's kind of like a visceral response, you know, when, when you experience that shame. And for a lot of these individuals, they've held on to this shame for years and years, right? Feeling like it's a dirty secret they can't talk about. And, and because of that, you know, so many other um, um, negative experiences in their life started to just add up and they feel even more isolated than ever, right? And so... Shame is a very isolating and painful experience, right? And oftentimes, you know, we talk about, you know, the way to releasing themselves from shame is learning to be more self-compassionate. And what that means is really to, you know, not just be accepting of that, that emotion, which is really hard because, you know, shame feels heavy and yucky and no one likes to accept that. But, but accepting doesn't mean you have to like it. It just means that, you know, we have to learn to make peace with that, even if we don't like it. And realizing that, you know, we can learn to be a bit kinder to ourselves um, as opposed to beating ourselves up all the time, right? And, you know, earlier we talked about how, I mean, when we started this conversation, we talked about the ways we deal with like awkwardness and shame, right? It's, it's really kind of like acknowledging it and then letting it go letting that unstick from who we are as people, right? So if I do a nice scream into, into my pillow, right? And maybe ran to a couple of friends about some embarrassing things I did, right? I want to just allow that to be. And at the end of the day, realizing that, you know, it doesn't have to make me um, a shameful person or, you know, make me feel like I'm defective. Thank you for your thoughts. Uh, thank you everyone for joining us. Um, this is our fourth episode. We'll be back two weeks later with another emotion. Can't remember which one that is. <laughs> but we'll let you know soon. And yes, uh, if you haven't already, please uh, follow us at uh, on the Inside Podcast page on Facebook. Uh, we're live on YouTube as well. We will see you two weeks later. Bye everyone. See ya. Bye. Bye. -bye.